Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Hello, dear family. How are you? You know that I pray that you're well every day. I pray that you're well, and I pray for everyone listening. Uh, No matter your state, whether you're happy or sad or excited or depressed or Catholic or not, I pray for you. God loves you, um, and uh, you are very special to him. And because you are special to the one that I love more than anyone else in the world, then you're also special to me. If God loves you, there must be something very special about you. And he does love you. And you know what? There is something very special about you because he made you for himself. So that's the end of the story. No matter where you are in life, no matter how successful or not, no matter how faithful or not, no matter how Catholic or not, Uh, No matter how whatever or not, he made you for himself and he loves you because he's a God of love and there's nothing you can do about that. He's simply a God of love and he loves. Um, That's it. That's it. So you are loved whether you believe it or not, whether you want to be or not, you are loved. Tough. You got to take it. Just tough. We have a good shepherd who loves his sheep and we are all sheep. He died for every single one of us. And if you say, well, he didn't die for me. Um, Well, he did. You're wrong. He did die for you. He made you for himself. He died for you. And he wants you to know his love, to know him, and to know how much he loves you, and to transform your life so you have a reason to exist on earth. And with all that's happening right now in the world... Uh, the devastation in our own country, all over the place, even the attacks of the Catholic Church from, even from within. Um, uh, God will rescue those who will receive his love. Will receive, he's not going to force anybody. But if we open our hearts, if we respond to the grace of God that will open our hearts, he will rescue us, he will transform us, He will give us a new life, and we will want nothing more than to love, to know, to serve, and to live for him the rest of our life on earth and through all eternity. That's a fact. It's an absolute fact. How do you know all this, Mother Maria? Because I know. I know. That's why I know, because I know. (laughs) He transformed my life. He gave me a reason to live. I'm a Martian on planet earth, and he can do it for every single one. Will he do it for every single one? He will. If you cry out to him, if you cry out to him, he will do that. Lord, I want you in my life. Change my life. Show me the truth of your Catholic Church. Lead me to a holy priest who can help me. And if you've been away from the church for 150 years, the shepherd waits for you to come back, just like the father of the prodigal son waits for you. The shepherd of the sheep who leaves the 99 and goes for the one who is lost and brings him home. And if that's you, we want you to come home. Come home 
little wayward sheep. Are you angry? Are you uh, drugged out? Whatever you are, come home. There's a loving shepherd who is waiting for you within the field of his church, and many people will care for you. So um, we are right in the middle um, of an article on uh, five reasons. It's titled, Why Catholics Should Only Receive Holy Communion on the Tongue. And the, the number one reason is because Holy Communion is God. The host is God. We, we shouldn't even dare to stand before him, let alone receive him in our hand. That's my, that's my mm, firm belief. But the church allows communion in the hand, so uh, this, it's, it's not sin. It is not sin. I think it's degradation. I think it's wrong. Um, and uh, John Henry uh, Weston, the editor and co-founder of LifeSite News, uh, is of the same mindset, and he wrote the article, Five Reasons Why Catholics Should Only Receive Holy Communion on the Tongue. And um, if you are one of the little lost sheep that I was speaking of earlier, or depressed sheep or unhappy sheep, uh, the greatest gift God has ever given us is himself. He came to earth, the God who is not a man, but who became a man through the Blessed Virgin for us and died on the cross for us to pay for the sin that separates us from God. And he rose from the dead to give life to whoever would call upon him. It's not the end of the story, beloved. For 18 years as an evangelical Protestant, I thought it was the end of the story. But no, he not only became man, he became our food. And um, at the Last Supper... And at the Mass, which began with the Last Supper, the Last Supper was the first Mass, when the priest says, this is my body, if we could see with our eyes what our faith believes, the priest would not even exist, because God is the high priest and the victim. And it is Christ himself who says, through the instrumentality of the human priest, this is my body. And just as in Genesis chapter 1, he said, let there be light, and there was. He said to bread, this is my body, and it was. He said to wine, this is my blood, and it was. It became so. Everything obeys its creator, and except us, our stubborn, wayward, sinful children. But bread became God, his body, soul, blood, blood and divinity at the Last Supper right in his hand. And, um, um, and the wine became uh, also uh, our Lord. So the bread becomes his body, the wine becomes his blood, but the fact is God doesn't come in parts. So whether it's the host in the form of a, a wafer uh, or the blood um, in the form of wine, it is the whole Christ, either species, the entire Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And to me, that's enough. I, I just couldn't imagine ever receiving Christ in my hand, ever receiving God in my hand, ever touching him with unconsecrated hands. Only the priest uh, can do that. Only the priest has unconsecrated hands. Rather, sorry about that, uh, consecrated hands. 
only the priest. If you look at all that he does through the Mass, all the, all the um, holy actions, all the consecration, how he holds the two fingers, his two fingers together throughout the rest of the Mass because they've touched God, the consecrated host. He doesn't do anything with those fingers. He holds them like that, the rest of the Mass. Um, and that's the way it should be. Uh, he doesn't even touch them with his other fingers, and he doesn't let the fingers that have touched Christ touch anything else. So for us then to receive him in our in our hands that have touched all kinds of things um, by the time we go up to the communion, um, and then just treat him like he's a normal, uh, like it's just a piece of food, it, it's just... Uh, it's such, um, let me just say, an awful thing. It's such an awful thing. So I repeat, um, can Catholics receive Christ in the hand? The answer is yes, because the church allows it. Do I think because the church allows it, it's a holy action? No, I do not. Do I think because the church allows it, it's okay? I do not. Um, no, I do not. Is it allowed and unsinful? Yes, but I do not believe it respects our Lord or even gives a message that we know who he is. I know I won't say anybody doesn't know who he is, who receives him in the hand, but it's a, to me, it's a grievous thing. And we do wind up at every mass that distributes communion in the hand with crumbs all over the floor and the faithful trample all over him. Uh, Any tiny crumb, a tiny crumb, is still the whole Christ. Um, So let me just run down this article. We're going to finish it today. I'm I'm threatening you that we'll finish it. (laughs) Um, The first point John Henry Weston makes um, is about the reverence due to Almighty God. And he makes five points, and he camps on each point extensively with um, scripture and uh, biblical stories and sources and all of that. The second point is the authority of the church. Um, And I think you all know by now, uh, or you knew it before, that reception on the tongue is not simply the allowed or, or the choice, second choice. It's the church's teaching. It's the preference that we receive communion on the tongue. That's what the church teaches. It gives us the option of receiving in the hand. But Vatican II never changed the, uh, the, um, the procedure of receiving our Lord on our tongue. The third point is the witness of saints and popes and angels. And uh, I can't reread this article. You can find it online. Um, And then I'm going to say the fourth point during our break music. Um, The fourth point is profanation or desecration of the Holy Eucharist, which happens every single time. And at every Mass, the Eucharist is received on the hand. And we will come to the fifth and final point when we come back from the break, beloved. And at the second break, you'll be able to call in with anything on your heart or email or text. We'll be right back.
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled to be with you, and we are going to conclude the article we've been reading for three days now um, by uh, John Henry Weston, um, editor and co-founder of LifeSite News, and five reasons why we should receive communion on the tongue or not should not receive it on the hand. Again, uh, I, I'm quick to add the church allows it. It is never sin. It's still a choice. But the norm is to receive on the tongue. The other norm before God is always to kneel, but to give him the reverence he's due. Um, uh, I'm going to continue here with a document on the proper reception of the tongue by Pope Paul II. Pope Paul, no, not uh, the second. Um, in Memoriale Domini, Pope Paul admonished Catholics, bishops especially, that, quote, in view of the state of the Church as a whole today, this manner of distributing Holy Communion, which is on the tongue, must be observed, not only because it rests on a tradition of many centuries, but especially because it is a sign of reverence of the faithful toward the Eucharist. The practice in no way 
detracts <clears throat> excuse me, from the personal dignity of those who approach this great sacrament. And it is part of the preparation needed for the most fruitful reception of the Lord's body, end quote. Michael Davies says, however, a calamitous error of judgment then followed. It was agreed that whenever the practice has already developed in any place, that is, the practice of a commune on the hand, I'm picking up where we read yesterday, a two-thirds majority of the Episcopal Conference could petition the Holy See for permission to legalize the abuse. Those words are such a shock to me. Why would you legalize an abuse? The same thing happened with altar girls. It was never allowed. The the, uh, altar boys uh, were the only ones allowed to serve at the altar, and it would be in preparation for the priesthood. But why would you have girls as altar girls, and then they want to be priests, and you say, sorry, you can't be priests? It, it's it's a f- woman cannot be a priest. I, that is such, uh, um, I'm going to use just the polite word, a, a mystery to me. I just cannot understand permission to legalize the abuse. He continues quite clearly. The phrase has already developed, meant by that date, which was May 28th, 1969. Countries where the practice had not developed by that date were obviously excluded from the concession, and all the English-speaking countries came into this category. Excuse me a moment, beloved. I have to use my hanky. Excuse me. Thank you. When the national <clears throat> excuse me, when the National Conference of Catholic Bishops debated the question in nineteen seventy seven, Bishop Blanchette pointed out that the procedure approved by the Vatican was that permission could be requested from the Holy See if the contrary usage prevailed. He pointed out that the bishops could hardly take the second step without taking the first. So isn't that amazing? It wasn't allowed communion in the hand. It wasn't allowed. All the English-speaking countries had a reception on the tongue. And the only way that reception on the hand is allowed if if the abuse already existed. And so in order for the bishops to request it be legalized and normalized, they had to first... Uh, go against the church's teaching of communion on the tongue, and so it already prevailed. Uh, this is uh, I, I'm this is an amazing thing, beloved. Um, uh, let me see now. Um, Bishop Blanchet is reported in the National Catholic Register of June 12, 1977, recollecting, quote, I said, we are now going to discuss and probably vote on whether we want to petition the Holy See, and we have not established that a contrary usage prevails. I said a simple way to do that would be to ask the ordinaries to indicate whether in their diocese the contrary usage prevails. The ordinary should know. 
He is the shepherd of the diocese. He has been asked to obey, and his priests have been asked to obey. So if anyone knows whether the contrary usage prevails, he should know that. And so I ask that the agenda be amended so that the first step, finding out whether the contrary usage prevails, could be verified. And if it were verified, then we could get on with the rest of the agenda. But if the first step is not verified, how can we logically go on to the second step? I, I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded to, to read this f- for myself through John Henry Weston for the first time. Find out if your, your priests have disobeyed. And if they've disobeyed, then we'll ask the Holy Father, then we'll ask Rome to legalize their disobedience. It's just an amazing thing. Bishop Blanchett's motion was supported in writing by five other bishops and sustained by the president of the conference. According to the rules, there should have been a written vote, but supporters of the innovation objected and voted on a show of hands to rule the president out of order. Can you imagine this? If therefore, it therefore seems quite reasonable to ask, Just how legal was this vote? Then, of course, other extraordinary measures were taken to get the innovation adopted. Retired bishops were prevented from voting, and when the necessary majority had still not been achieved, bishops who had not been present were polled until the necessary total was arrived at. If you're shocked, beloved, I am as shocked as you because I have not read this before. So as you can see, John Henry continues, communion in the hand in modern times came by way of abuse, deceit, and betrayal by wolves in the hierarchy. It is for these reasons that I believe, I, John Henry Weston, speaking and writing, it is for these reasons that, can you imagine that? If you're now receiving communion on the hand, um, John Henry concludes from all that we just read, uh, and it's written, it's documented, he says, so as you can see, communion in the hand in modern times came by way of abuse, deceit, and betrayal by wolves in the hierarchy. How could you continue to receive communion in the hand after learning that? It is for these reasons that I, John Henry Weston, believe Catholics should not receive communion in the hand. Should you be in a situation where you are refused Holy Communion, unless you take it in the hand, I would make a spiritual communion only and then contact the proper authority to remedy the situation. Well, I second John Henry on this. However... The proper authority are the bishops who are, during this coronavirus, refusing communion on the tongue and mandating it in the hand. So it's a very, very sad situation, beloved. Take that letter that was written by the Vatican on the question. Excuse me. Take that letter that was written by the Vatican on the question during the swine flu pandemic in 2009 to your priest or bishop ask them to give you holy communion at least after mass if they feel, if they feel they cannot do it during mass 
since this is a compromise being practiced. Excuse me, I'm trying to hide my hiccups. I did that right at you. Since this is a compromise being practiced in many dioceses today, and if they still don't permit you your right to receive our Lord on the tongue, apply to the the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship with the proof of the denial of Holy Communion on the tongue, and pray God the remedy comes soon. In the meantime, offer up the sacrifice of being deprived of the Holy Eucharist and still attend Mass, offering your own pain along with Christ's own sacrifice. That's um, very difficult, beloved. That's a very, very difficult. Uh, the article is painful. It's an encouragement to the many who want to receive communion on the tongue to know that you're right. It's not a traditionalist preference. It's the teaching of the church. Um, And you're right. And I too would receive, excuse me, communion on the tongue. And I would receive spiritual communion if I were denied communion on the tongue. I just uh, heard a week ago of a very holy priest who said to a parishioner who spoke to him about not being able to receive on the tongue and therefore not receiving our Lord at all, he he advised her to receive our Lord even in the hand because our Lord wants to give himself to us and uh, and he would rather we receive him even if on the hand during this time. I think it's understandable message from a good holy priest, but if you cannot or you choose not to, um, you are not wrong, but you 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 can again do a spiritual communion uh, at mass and um, in our current newsletter, which is uh, being put in the mail today, ta-da, ta-da, is being put in the mail today. We have printed new, beautiful holy cards that have spiritual communion on them. And so um, uh, you'll have the communion prayer. And if you don't have the card, just look up spiritual communion prayer online. (laughs) Excuse me, this is terrible. Bishop Athanasius Snyder has uh, given us a beautiful one. But just look up a prayer for spiritual communion and you will get them, and then when you get our little card, you can bring it to to Mass with you. So, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not controlling these hiccups. I'm so sorry, beloved. We'll have the break, and then I'll take a little sugar. I think, I think I'll go for sugar early. There's our break. Oh, terrible. So sorry about your ears. Um, And um, if you wish to call in with anything on your heart, We do have a couple of people on the line. I'll get to you as soon as we come back from break. Anyone else is welcome to call in toll-free, 811-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, hopefully without the hiccups.
Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. St. Michael, dear Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. We do the best to answer. We don't always have the all the answers, but we can refer, refer you to those who do. Um, call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. Do you see that my hiccups are gone? I will... I, I don't know how I'll ever be thankful enough to that um, individual who sent me an email and told me to just take a little sugar. It's magic. It works every time. We have Cody from Albuquerque on the line. Hi, Cody. Hello, Mother Miriam. I actually used to listen to you when you were on Immaculate Heart Radio, and it's a huge deal to have rediscovered you, your program again. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad, Cody. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. So I've got a dilemma on my hands that I'm trying to work through, and I hope you can help me with it. So I'm a young adult who's currently living at home with my folks while searching for work. I'm blind, and I fell in love with a beautiful Catholic woman recently. She's blind, too. And because of COVID and the fact that my stepmom is a doctor and I live with her, she's not allowing us to visit each other by going on public transportation and seeing each other. And... The, this and my girlfriend is very unhappy with this, and um, her concern now is 
you know, because of this, um, is if, if she's dictating how we can see each other in this area, how right. can we, you know, that sort of thing. So now I'm caught in a position where, you know, I, I have to, I feel like this is my life, but because of my stepmom's expertise, she's going to convince me to either stay home or allow someone else to take me to visit her on their, on, on someone else's schedule. And so now I'm caught in a position where I either jeopardize one relationship or the other, because either way it's going to go south. Okay. Now you just said that you're allowing your stepmom to convince you that her opinion is right. You didn't say you disagree with your stepmom. You're saying that she's convincing you and you're accepting what she says because of her expertise. It's two different messages. Because if she's convincing you, if she's truly convincing you, then it's not your mom that's the stepmom that's stopping you. It's you. Your girlfriend needs to know that she's very right that you make your own decisions. She needs to know that. And how old are you now, Cody? I am 28. Okay, that's good. Um, Your girlfriend needs to know that you do respect your stepmom. You do honor her. um, And uh, that you are convinced that it's right to not see each other. Um, You have to put it on you, not your stepmom. Because there's no war between your stepmom and your girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. The reason you're torn is because you, you want to please both. You need to make, if you're truly Exactly, convi- but I also know, exactly, I, I also know that um, I have to do what's best for my other half, too. So if we're already looking at um, apartments, to, apartment living situations together, don't do um, that. Before being, don't because we because we think because we no because we we're we're working towards marriage. Don't live together before marriage, Cody. You will if mm-hmm. you live together toward marriage before marriage. Even if you say I want to see if it works, or if you do that, you claim to love her. You will put her on the road to hell. You you cannot live together before marriage and go to heaven. It's very simple. It's very simple. Are you Catholic, Cody? Yes, ma'am. Is and your girlfriend? Yes. Yeah, and is your girlfriend Catholic? Absolutely. Well, that's pretty strong answers. Then you have to obey God and not live together. It's simple. Yes. If you live together, you will uh, say, "I love you, sweetheart, so much that I want you in hell with me." That's what you're saying. You may not live together. Uh, If you find an apartment uh, prior to marriage because you want to live in it once you're married and it's close to marriage, that's another thing, but you can't live in it. Um, Not even overnight. So that's number one. Uh, That's very serious. But if you are convinced by your stepmom because of her expertise that this is the best thing to do, it, you need to put it on you, not your stepmom. And you need to say, say to your girlfriend, sweetheart, I'm not um, under the control, under the thumb of my stepmom. 
if we marry, uh, the decisions are ours, and the decisions are ours right now. I happen to agree with my stepmom in this situation because she's a doctor, and so we're gonna we're we're not gonna take the chance through public. Um, uh, transportation and being together of getting this virus we're going to we're going to sacrifice and stay apart until it's safe to do so it has to be your decision don't blame your mom yes all yes. right and you could even have said to her i've come to this conclusion without telling her it's because you agree with your mom you didn't even have to bring your mom into it so be strong, Cody. Okay, Mother, that helps. Be a good, yes. strong Catholic man, and if you are going to marry, you're going to be the head of your home. You're not going to lead your wife and your children, if God blesses you with children, into sin. Okay? No living no, together. Absolutely. You're right. All right. All right, honey. All right, Cody. God bless you, dear one. We have a, a, a call from D from Rochester, New York. Hi, D. Uh, good morning, Mother. Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for your ministry. Um, thank you. Mother, I'm wondering if there's any possibility of you and your sisters or EWTN could provi- would be able to provide some kind of children's TV classes uh, during this um, uh, distancing time. Uh, there's so much on the Internet, um, so much easy, easy to get pornography or uh, that sort of thing. And... You know, something like um, woodcrafting for boys, and if they made toys, they could give them to disadvantaged children, and knitting maybe for girls or anybody, uh, and to give to disadvantaged people, maybe writing class. I'm wondering if there's any kind of possibility of that. D, dear one, uh, you've got my heart. That's exactly if we were ever allowed to expand and we had a new home, uh, uh, we would love to do just that. We would love to teach cooking classes to children and have wood shop for boys and writing classes, all kinds of things. But again, it's not the situation we're in. The other thing, Dee, is that we're not on EWTN. I'm not on EWTN except when they run past programs. Um, I'm on the Station of the Cross, uh, live-streamed through the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. And many uh-huh. people think it's EWTN because uh, sometimes uh, local stations that run EWTN run us. But I think you've got a tremendous uh, uh-huh. um, idea. Uh, truly, I do. And I think yeah. the idea is for every parent listening to take it up. Their children yeah. are home. Teach your children uh, you know, again, if you homeschool, and that's what our current newsletter is about, if anybody ever gets it, and you will, it's actually going in the mail today. The envelopes were stuffed yesterday. Um, you'll see, I mean, homeschooling is for the whole child. And so it's academic subject, it's cooking, it's sewing, it's hiking, it's gardening, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And so I love what you're saying, and every parent, hopefully, will do something like that with their children. I also think it would be a good idea, give EWTN a call and suggest that. I think it's a wonderful idea. Well, and, and if you'll pray with me about that, then maybe, maybe the Lord will bless that. <laughs> we certainly will, Dee. I think it's wonderful. Okay, Thanks for God, all you do. Thank you, Dee. God bless you. you we have an e- uh-huh. Thank you. We have an email from Bob and Kelly Ann, and they write, Hello, Mother. My wife and I know several Catholic friends who have used 
in vitro fertilization to have children. Catholic friends, oh dear. Uh, I'm just going to say it. Catholics, if you use in vitro fertilization, you are in mortal sin. And if you die without confession, you will not be in heaven. I know there are many of you that fight that, but that's just because you want your way and not God's way. Um, And so um, uh, Bob and Kellyanne continue, we completely agree with Catholic teaching on this issue, but how do we speak the truth in love? If they ever confront us with this, how dare you, such as, she's imagining here, how dare you to think IVF is wrong? Our precious children would not exist if it were not for IVF. Sure, you two can talk smart because God gave you children naturally. Well, your children are created by God and they are precious, but they were created in sin. Um... And uh, Bob and Kellyanne say, we want to be better prepared if this conversation ever comes up. Thank you, Mother Miriam. Again, it's always one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. And so you weren't a beggar in the same sense that you used IVF, but it be very, um, the route to take is to go on the internet and look up several articles I'm looking at one now from the Catholic Education Resource Center. Uh, the title is Couples Ask What's Wrong with In Vitro Fertilization. Oh, dear. Excuse me. And it's a wonderful article, Catholic Research, Catholic Education Resource Center, What is Wrong with In Vitro um, in vitro fertilization, and the the article explains it, and alternate methods you can use that are holy and are approved by the church. Um, Simply look up, uh, which I did, Catholic teaching on in vitro fertilization. Understand it, understand the church's teaching, um, uh, role play simplifying it in your own conversation um, and uh, the way to speak the truth in love is to do just that speak the truth in love saying you know I, I know our dear friends um, that God has blessed us with children naturally and um, that has not been your gift and so you've used IVF but as Catholics um, we've brought you some material to let you know that it is that there are other ways that God would have Catholics have children than through artificial means. Um, and so uh, read those articles, speak to them, uh, not judgmentally, but very, very compassionately. And if they ever do it, If they ever get it, they'll go to confession for the IVF they already have used, and their children will be no less precious and no less given by God. That's a little mystery, but it's true. Um, So I I think that's what we can do right now. Um, And then you can tell them it's not that you think IVF is wrong, it's that you're Catholic, and you respect the church's teachings, and here's why. Print out, look at 10 articles and pick out the one or two that you think um, is the most relatable to them, the gentlest, 
that most makes sense, that doesn't use tons of technical language and all of that. And I would do that now and begin um, uh, to, to be ready to speak to them completely in love. Um, if they say you two think you're smart because God gave you children, well, that doesn't make us any smarter than you because God did it. We didn't. We do the same thing you do. The fact that that act of love, life-giving love, results in a child is a pure grace from God. It's not what we did. It's not even what we deserve. But it's God's, God's way. We cannot answer that. But God does have other ways, and he tells us what ways are wrong, and they will affect our marriage, they will affect our children. So um, I I think uh, we're going to go to our break right now, and you can still call in, beloved, with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails. And stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. your pro-life convictions into action and stand out for life every Saturday morning, wherever you may be. We'll be broadcasting live 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern, hosted by myself, Jim Havens, and Father Stephen Imbarato as we stand out live on location. But this is more than a broadcast. It's a call to action. Grab a pro-life sign and publicly take a stand outside of a local abortion center or any high traffic area like an exit ramp, overpass, or street corner. And as you do, listen to the Stand Out for Life broadcast. If you're in the Eastern time zone, stand out from 9 to 10 a.m. and listen live. But if you're in a different time zone, the broadcast is easily available to you via podcast shortly after it airs on the iCatholic Radio app. So you can stand out and listen anytime that is most convenient for you. The main thing is that we We all take at least an hour to stand out for life in public witness every Saturday, even if it's just sitting on the front porch holding a pro-life sign. Whatever you can do, we all must take a part in public witness for the end of abortion. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes and our lines are wide open if you'd like to call in. Uh, toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We have an email from Jean in Massachusetts. And Jean says, do you think the railings that have been removed from church since Vatican II could ever be reinstated? If there is any time we should be on our knees, um, it is in receiving communion, your thoughts. But of course, of course they can be reinstated, and many churches have reinstated them, Gene. And even Novus Ordo churches, as they get uh, moved toward a greater holiness, they have reinstated um, the railings. And, and we'll pray that uh, more churches continue to do that. In the interim, if you can get to a Latin Mass church, you will have the railing. Um, others, even during the Novus Ordo, um, uh, simply go on their knees on the ground. Many people do that. Um, you've got to be in shape to do that, though. It's not easy for everyone without a kneeler to do that, but many people do. Um, we have a text uh, from somebody who writes in... No, it's from Helen. She says, um, you answered one of my questions on the air previously. Thank you, Mother, for that answer, and I'm very interested, so I'll be waiting for your newsletter. But I'm texting you in regard to the program you had uh, about communion in the hand or on the tongue. I think it was receiving Holy Communion on the tongue, and I know that the church has said that it's okay, I, I think she may mean okay to receive communion on the hand, but Our Lady of Akita, when she came and appeared to the Chinese nun, um, she has had a wound in her hand in the shape of a cross, and so did Sister. The wound in Our Lady's hand was significant to the priests um, distributing Our Lord, and sister had a wound in her other hand for the laity receiving in the hand. It's a little confusing here. How can the church say and go above God and say that this is okay when God sent his mother to say that this was not okay and the operation was approved by the church? Thank you, Mother. I love you. Your sisters are in my prayers. You're in my prayers. Thank you for all you do. God bless you. Thank you, Helen. Um, I'm going to say the majority of people don't even know about Our Lady of Akita. Um, our Blessed Mother did come to her. Uh, communion was placed right directly on her tongue from above. And it is an approved apparition. Our Lady has appeared to her uh, several times. But not, and it is approved, as I said, but it's not, um, many people don't know of that. And even if they do, it still may not be uh, convincing to them that they should receive communion on the tongue. It's, it's a distressing, but here we are. It's, it's, the, it's just a difficult situation in our day. We have an email from Diana who writes, uh, Dearest Mother Miriam, praised be Jesus Christ. I pray that this email finds you well in body, mind, and spirit. Listening to your show is always a breath of fresh air. Thank you, Diana, especially during these times when it seems as though the flock has been abandoned by so many of our shepherds. Thank you for your ministry 
and being a voice of reason that the laity can turn to. As I humbly turn to you now for some much-needed advice on how to continue to pursue a vocation after a bad novitiate experience that has left some signs of possible PTSD. Oh, dear. I'll try to keep this as succinct as possible. Oh, my goodness. Hold on now. I'm looking down, and you're keeping it succinct, but it's a very, very long email. And you know what, my beloved? I am going to read down this email off the air, even though I know you've done your best to keep it succinct. And I'm simply going to say, for now, and then I'll read it, and then if I can comment more tomorrow, I will. I promise you that. Um, But for now, if you have possible signs of PTSD, um, uh, that's beyond a bad novitiate experience. I can't imagine what you would have been put through because that would be abuse, that you were utterly abused. I, I I can't even imagine what it was, and if it was, why you stayed and didn't leave. Um and and subjected yourself to that so um that's what i'll say for now uh let me also say that we're benedictines and um we're not the only ones that have had examples of people persevering but saint benedict himself when a young man would come to his door to enter uh, saint benedict would say come back in a year and the young man would come back in a year and St. Benedict would say, see me in another year. I mean, this would seem like utter cruelty. And the young man would come back in another year. And the third time he came back, one year after another, Benedict said, St. Benedict said, come on in, I accept you. My goodness, there was no life together. There were no interviews. There was nothing. But Pope Benedict would say that many vocations could simply be a passing fancy for all kinds of reasons. Some people just wanting to get away from the world. Uh, some people being enamored with the habit or, or monks they saw and all kinds of things, and they don't necessarily have a call. But he said those who have a call will persevere. And one of the ways you know you have a call is if you persevere. Now, if you have PTSD from this experience... That's really a tragic situation, and I would personally, um, uh, without knowing you well at all, I would say that you should consider at least going to a psychologist and bec- who has experience with PTSD, PTSD or trauma, people being emotionally traumatized. I would, I would see if you could do that. Uh, if you had a you know, bad intestines, you'd go to a doctor. If you broke your leg, you'd go to a doctor. This is uh, very difficult emotionally. You've been damaged. I would go to a psychologist, and maybe you see him or her for a month, for uh, two months, so who knows what. But um, um, maybe they can help you clear this, because if you do have a vocation, this would be a shame to stand in the way. Okay, Diana, I do promise I'll read you. We don't even have enough time in the program for me to read through your email. That's how long it is. So it'll be okay. I will read it after the program. Um, We have a text from Jean who says, Dearest Mother, I pray you're doing well. Mother, could you please explain to me why we use different titles for our Blessed Mother and how we actually use that title in a prayer? 
I have a deep love and devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. That's my actually my feast day, September 15th, Our Lady of Sorrows. But admit that I'm not sure how to use the title in an intercessory prayer for others. My deepest gratitude and love for all you do in his name. Oh, wow. Um, we have many, many names for our Lord. A healer, protector, um, creator, um, sympathizer. Uh, I can't think right now. Um, if you go down the litany of the Sacred Heart, all kinds of names for our Lord. Go down the litany of Loretta, all kinds of names for Our Lady. She's the Lady of Tulsa. She's the Lady of Timbuktu uh, because she's there. She could be called on in any place. And if I were praying uh, Our Lady of Sorrows to help others, I would say, Dear Lady of Sorrows, please help this one who just lost a loved one. Dear Lady of Sorrows, that's all. I would do that. Dear Mother of Sorrows, uh, I ask you to comfort my friend who is in the hospital or whatever it may be. Just call her by her title. It's not a problem at all. Okay, God bless you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow. <laughs> 